Welcome to the Lab Life Podcast, a candid insight into the life of an undergraduate researcher. I'm your host, Richard Song. I'm an aspiring research scientist and undergraduate student at Vanderbilt University studying computer science, applied math, and neuroscience. In this series, I invite you along my research journey and share lessons I and others have learned in the lab. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 5. In this episode, I talk about undergraduate summer research as well as undergraduate research fellowships. With the looming February 1st deadline and a bunch of other programs due in mid to late February for summer research, I thought it might be wise to go over some of the common summer undergraduate research opportunities that might be available for you and how to craft a strong application for them. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, sit back, relax, and let's discuss. So as with undergraduate research, a lot of them have a very similar deadline of February 1st or sometime around early to mid-February, maybe early March. So those application deadlines are coming up soon. And as a result, I wanted to release this episode to go over some common summer research opportunities that you might be interested in and how to optimize your application so that you can hopefully get into them. So the majority of my audience here for this podcast are students from Vanderbilt University. Of course, Lab Life is associated with Vanderbilt Hustler. So I first thought I should go over some Vanderbilt specific summer undergraduate, summer undergraduate research opportunities that you may be interested in. And keep in mind, the first two programs I will mention aren't only available to Vanderbilt students. They're also available to other students as well, but they will have an emphasis on accepting Vanderbilt students. So the first two programs I want to talk about are pretty similar to each other. They are the VU SRP and the VU SE SRP. That is the Vanderbilt Summer Research Program and the Vanderbilt Undergraduate School of Engineering Summer Research Program. So these two programs are very, very similar in that they are both 10 weeks long. You conduct full-time in-person research and you get paid a $6,000 stipend. And the way the application works, at least for VUSE, this is the one that I applied for last year, is that you submit one essay talking about a research proposal that you'd be interested in doing. You list up to three faculty members you would be interested in working with along with the projects that they have, and you submit one letter of recommendation. So to start with these two applications, I would strongly recommend doing some prior research on what kind of areas interest to you. And with that, I would also ask the question of, do I want to explore something new or do I want to work with something that I have already been working with? I believe there's a little bit of trade-off with this. If you want to explore something new, obviously you get a new research experience. You get a new background, you learn new things. However, you may not be currently working in the PI's lab, and therefore you won't be super familiar with the lab culture or with the PI in general, and therefore it may be a little harder to get in. However, if you want to do something you're already doing on, the benefits are, well, you're really familiar with the PI. You're really familiar with the lab culture. You won't have to do that much onboarding, and you will have a good chance of getting into the program. But also, I'd say the primary downside is that you aren't getting a new research experience. So in case you wanted to ask multiple PIs in the future for letters of recommendation, you would really only have one PI. 
the PI that you've always been working with and the PI that you will now be working with in the summer who are the same PI. So really you don't get that novelty. However, uh, you already much more familiar with the lab culture and it's probably gonna be a good bet for you to get in. So those are Vue SRP and Vue SE SRP. Um, at Vanderbilt, there are also a few summer research programs that are geared more for underrepresented minorities and people who qualify for financial aid, and that would be the Vanderbilt START program and the Vanderbilt NIH MARC program, MARC spelled M-A-R-C. Both these programs are very similar in that they aim to promote diversity and inclusion, and they have a set of eligibility requirements. Um, for example, if you're an underrepresented minority, if you have a particular disability that affects the way that you learn, or if you qualify for financial aid, you might be eligible for these two programs. Specifically, the START program is a nine-week program with a $5,000 stipend. And the MARC program, you are eligible as a second-year student, and you're inclined on doing biomedical research. And the MARC program is really good in the fact that it's not just a summer undergraduate research program, it's more a scholarship. Uh, it's a long-lasting scholarship that will last you till your end of your undergrad, and it will support you in doing research across multiple summers. So if you think that you may qualify for these two programs, their deadlines are coming up in early February, so I would definitely take a look at them. There's also, if you're more inclined towards computer science or engineering, there is the Institute for Software Integrated Systems Summer Undergraduate Research Program here at Vanderbilt, as well as the Vanderbilt Undergraduate Data Science Research Program. Both of those may be really interesting to you. And I know for the Data Science Research Program, even if you don't get in, they offer an external course actually on artificial intelligence that you can take over the summer. That might give you an edge on maybe potential future AI research that you conduct. So those are some Vanderbilt-specific summer research programs that I have uh, contacted, I have applied for, and that I think you guys should also apply for, if you, especially if you're Vanderbilt students looking for undergraduate research. Now, personally for me, I went another route for my summer uh, last year, as well as my summer this year, and that is for uh, REUs. And REU stands for Research Experience for Undergrads. Our REUs are NSF-funded programs that support undergraduate researchers across the summer, and they're available at a number of universities across America. So if you're an American citizen and you're interested in conducting undergraduate research, potentially at another college, REUs are a great option for you. The application process for most REUs is very similar to that of VUSRP in that they ask you to write a research proposal. Uh, they ask you to list potential faculty members that you'll be interested in working with. I know one primary difference, however, is that they ask for two letters of recommendation instead of just one. Now, REUs are pretty difficult to get into, and that's because if you're a Vanderbilt student and you're applying for an REU at a non-Vanderbilt school, you're naturally at a disadvantage compared to students from that school itself. Because naturally, those students have already been working in those labs that the REU is going to offer. 
So the PI is probably just going to accept their own students over someone who hasn't actually worked in their lab. However, it doesn't hurt to apply. Generally, I would aim for roughly 10 to 15 RU applications because each one is going to take a long time. Now, to work on these applications, I strongly recommend that you start early. That means starting roughly winter break and working throughout the month of January and then finally getting them in before the February deadlines. Now, that isn't to say that if you started in late January, you still don't have a chance to get in because that's exactly what I did last year. I started my RU applications very late. Uh, I started them roughly a week before the deadline in around January 20th to 25th. That's when I started most of them. And I grinded out around 15 RU applications. And that took a lot of hard work, but it's possible. Now, one of the most crucial things, I would say one of my best tips for applying to RUs is that you need, need, need to be organized. And that means having an Excel sheet with all of the REUs that you want to apply for, all of their links, and all of their deadlines. And making sure that you organize which REUs you want to apply to first, and then which later. You got to, you got to come up with a strategy. I would also say that when you're applying to REUs, you generally want to aim for programs that are pretty similar. And that's because REU process for applying is really complicated. It's quite tedious. And you don't want to have to write new essays for every single REU. That's just going to take too much of a toll, unless you have that time. But if you don't have the time, like what I did, you generally want to apply to REUs that work on a pretty similar project so that you can reuse your research proposal for different REUs. And that's going to make your applying process much more efficient. So outside of REUs, there's also another special program that I want to plug because this is the program that I'm going to be working on this summer, and that's the Amgen Scholars Program. The Amgen Scholars Program is directly supported by the Amgen Foundation, which is a biotech company, and they support eight weeks of undergraduate research in universities around the world. So if you're an American citizen, you're qualified to do an Amgen Scholars Program in a select number of American universities. And these are very prestigious universities. Moreover, if you are an American citizen, you are also qualified to do an Amgen Scholars Program in Asia. And there are four particular schools in Asia that offer Amgen scholarships, that being Tsinghua University in China, uh, the University of Tokyo, the University of Kyoto, both in Japan, and National University of Singapore. All four are very, very prestigious schools in Asia. The Asian schools are eligible to uh, anybody, any undergraduate, even if you're a first year. And the American ones are eligible for American students who are uh, sophomore or up. So if you're going into your second summer or further, you're eligible for them. The Amgen Scholars Program also offers programs in countries like Canada for Canadian students, Europe for European students, and Australia for Australian students. So if any of that is interesting to you, I highly encourage you to apply to the Amgen Scholars Program. It's a very great program. What makes the Amgen Scholars Program also very special, at least for the Asian one, is that at the end you have a chance to display your research at a symposium in Singapore. And this is a great experience for you to 
get to meet all the other Amgen scholars in Asia for you guys to get together and talk about your research. Oh, and one other thing about the Amgen Scholars Program is that it's a biotech, biomed research program. So if any of the research that you're doing has to relate to biology, bioinformatics, wet lab, I would highly encourage you to apply to the Amgen Scholars Program. So those are some good summer research programs that I would highly recommend that you guys apply for. Now, in order to do summer research, you don't have to do it through a program. You can directly reach out to a PI and ask to see if they have funding available in their lab if you're doing it in person. Um, or you can ask the PI to hopefully do it online and virtually if it's a, if it's a dry lab. If it's a wet lab, that's much harder to do. However, there is a pretty decent probability that the PI might not be able to support you for a summer research opportunity if they aren't doing it directly through a program, at, at which point it would be best if you have funding of your own. And that's when we start talking about fellowships. Fellowships are very similar. Basically, they're scholarships that support students to do particular summer research or just research in general. You may have heard of a couple of graduate fellowships or grants that people have applied for, such as the NSF, Graduate Research Fellowship Program, among other programs. There's also these postgraduate fellow, postdoc fellowships that postdoctoral students do. But I wanted to focus this conversation on undergraduate fellowships because this is, of course, a podcast about undergraduate research. And the one primary undergraduate fellowship for research is the Goldwater Scholarship. So the Goldwater Scholarship is a scholarship that supports students who want to do PhDs in the future or MD PhDs. So students who are really passionate about research. The benefits are huge. You get $7,500 of stipend a semester, and you can use that to help support your research also throughout the summer. Moreover, you get access to the Goldwater Committee uh, and the Goldwater Community, just a community of past Goldwater scholars, of past prestigious and excellent uh, researchers who can support you in your research journey. So the Goldwater scholarship process for applying is quite complicated and it's quite difficult as well. You first require an institution nomination. Most institutions can only nominate up to four students, five including a transfer. So depending on the school that you go to, the institution nomination, winning it might actually be the hardest part in the process. And then after you receive an institution nomination, you fill out the official Goldwater scholarship application, which requires you to write a series of short essays talking about what kind of research you want to do in the future, why you're interested in research, your research experiences, but also the, cru the crucial part of the Goldwater application is the research essay. The research essay is a three-page essay where not only you talk about your research, but you also talk about what you learned through your research. You talk about what motivated you to do this research. And then, of course, you talk about the methodology, the results, and the discussion, all of your research there. So it's a pretty hefty process. And the deadline usually is the last Friday of every January. So I just submitted my application for the Goldwater Scholarship. Um, and a roughly, I want to say roughly 2,000 students will apply 
across the U.S. and they award around 400 scholarships. So it's a pretty it's a pretty difficult scholarship, but once you get it, it's a lot of support. All right. So now that I've talked about fellowships, about programs, not only at Vanderbilt but also other schools, I want to talk about how you can optimize your application and make yourself the strongest possible applicant. So. In all of these applications, there will be two things in common, and these two things, I believe, are the most important parts of your application. The first is the research proposal, and the second is the letters of recommendation. So let's talk about the research proposal first. I honestly believe that the research proposal is the most important part of your research scholarship or your research application. And writing a research proposal, a good research proposal, isn't only a skill that you will need right now to apply for undergraduate research, but also in the future when you want to secure grant money, for example, or apply to graduate school. So research proposal is incredibly important. And the idea is that you're proposing a research project that you want to do in the future. Now, that sounds pretty difficult because you've never actually done this research project before. And likely you haven't read a lot of the papers or maybe you haven't even talked to the PI before. So writing a research proposal a lot of times just feels like you're pulling at strings that aren't necessarily there. You're kind of just grabbing at a haystack for a needle. It's, it's quite difficult to actually get a sense of how to write your research proposal in a way that makes sense, in a way that the PI that you want to work with um, will accept. So in general, here are some of the tips that I have. So to write a research proposal, you have to have a very clear sense of what you wanna do, as well as the motivation behind what you wanna do. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have a great idea of what you wanna do, then why are you even writing the proposal in the first place? You have to have a strong motivation for what your proposal is useful for. And to do that, I would say that one of the ways that you can do this is by finding a link between your past research and your future research. So for example, with me, right, my research in the past had to do with fMRI and aging. So in my proposal, I might talk about with fMRI, we only have a limited capacity from a temporal and a spatial resolution standpoint to actually understand the brain in order to really truly understand what's driving the neural activity that's going on in the brain when it comes to aging, we have to look at the more cellular level. Look at things like genetics, look at things like synaptic plasticity, which can only be seen from a single cell resolution. And that's why, for example, I would want to work in a wet lab that looks specifically at single cell resolution images and how that contributes to aging or neuroplasticity or memory, et cetera, right? That's kind of the reason, that's kind of like what my motivation would be to do this research. It's really funny because I talked to my PI for next summer, my PI for the Amgen Scholars Program actually, and he said that when reading my application, I, my application, my research proposal, in terms of just the amount of research that I've done in the past, wasn't actually that strong. He thought that the amount of research that I'd done in the past, he didn't even think that it was feasible research. He didn't think that it had any tangible impact until he saw my poster at the Society for Neuroscience conference. 
But what he said really made my application stand out was that I had a really clear sense of what I wanted to do. So that's why your motivation behind your research proposal, why you wanted to do this research is very important. And then of course, with your research proposal, I would say a, a strong way, a, a really simple way to make it stronger is just to talk to the PI. And this is pretty simple, especially if the PI is working at your school. Just send them an email, visit their office hours, set up some sort of conversation with them and have them go over your research proposal and see if it's feasible. This is obviously a little more difficult if you're applying to an RU and your professor, your PI is not actually at the school that you're currently at. But in that case, I would show your research proposal to a faculty member in that particular domain. So for example, if you're studying neuroscience and you want to apply to a neuroscience research lab, I would show your research proposal to a neuroscience professor who uh, may specialize in that particular research. So for example, if you're applying to an fMRI lab, I would show your research proposal to maybe an fMRI researcher at your school. But just have somebody go over your research essay because that kind of helps to determine whether it's feasible or not. But also, if you're actually able to reach out to the professor themselves that who's going to be mentoring your research, that shows demonstrated interest. And again, that's, that's going to only benefit you it's going to show that you're actually interested in doing this research and that you're motivated to doing this research, which is, again, what I was talking about before with um, you have to have a clear sense of what you want to do. So in general, for the research proposal, make sure you have a clear sense of what you want to do, display genuine interest, and also try to find a link between your past research and what their research is. So that's the research proposal. Now, the next part, the second part that is incredibly important to your application is letters of recommendation. And I think to all of the career counselors that I've talked to with scholarships and fellowships and things like that, they're basically saying, they have all basically said that the letter of recommendation can really make or break your, your application, right? If you can show it through your application that other people actually really enjoy working with you and other people have also concluded that you're brilliant, that you're hardworking, that you know, you're driven, then that's a huge plus in your application, especially if the person who's recommending you is someone who's really high up in their field. So in terms of letter of recommendation, most of the programs that I mentioned above will uh, require that you submit more than one letter of recommendation. So Besides VSRP, a lot of those REUs will ask you to, to submit two letters of recommendation. The Goldwater Scholarship actually requires three letters of recommendation. You know, grad school even requires three letters of recommendation. So letter of recommendation, it's a pretty big deal. Now, one of the important things to note with the letters of recommendation, obviously you want to build good uh, relationships with your letter writers, right? You want to demonstrate that you are motivated, that you're hardworking, et cetera. But one of the more kind of underrated parts of having good letters of recommendation is that you want these letters to highlight a different aspect of yourself. And in essence, you want yourself to be portrayed as something called a 3D applicant, uh, an applicant that has strengths in multiple different areas that are highlighted throughout these different letters. And I was looking 
on Twitter the other day and I came across a thread posted by a researcher by the name of Dr. Adriana Long. And she had some very good advice about how to secure letters of recommendation in order to be portrayed as a 3D applicant. And basically her methodology went like this. You go onto the REU website or the scholarship website or whatever, and then you look at the types of scholars that, or the type of applicants that they're looking for. Right? You pull out keywords like hardworking, easy to work with, motivated, brilliant, etc. You pull out different adjectives that they use to describe the ideal candidate. And then you you list out your potential letter recommend your letter writers and you assign them one of these adjectives. So for example, your first PI, you might assign them with they will describe me as brilliant, hardworking, motivated. Your second PI will describe you as works really well in a research environment, very collaborative, you know, things like that. And your third PI might be something different. So you basically give each PI a different bucket and that's kind of what you want them to really focus your letter into. And that way your different letters will emphasize different parts about yourself so that they don't all, all just say the same exact thing. Of course, all three of these letters or all two of these letters should display that you're incredibly scientifically proficient, for example. There are things that all of the letters should mention, but there are also things that each letter should kind of highlight that the other letters may not highlight in order to portray yourself as a 3D applicant. So the way that I kind of approached this was I, for, for my Goldwater scholarship, for example, I asked letters of recommenders, letters of recommendation from two of my PIs. So my PI that I work with at Vanderbilt and my PI that I worked with over the summer and a professor who I was TAing for. And as a result, it kind of showed that I, not only I have this research side, but also that I can teach, that I can work with students and that I can express scientific ideas in a easy way. So try to portray yourself as a 3D applicant. In terms of actually getting the letters in on time and getting what you want out of those letters, I would uh, be transparent with your letter writers. So that, that can mean multiple different things. First, transparent meaning keep them updated on your progress and this is beforehand before even asking them to write the letter keep them updated with your progress try to schedule frequent meetings with them so that you can talk about things that are going on and that way they have more interaction with you and if they have more interaction with you they know you better then of course they're going to be able to write a much stronger letter but also when you're asking them for the letter you want to be transparent in what you want them to emphasize so for example when you're asking your PI, you can straight up just ask them, can you emphasize these, these, these different aspects about me? And these aspects, of course, are the ones that I just talked about that are maybe pulled from the ideal applicant as listed on the description for the program that you're applying for. So in order to really get the best quality letters, you want to be transparent, right? transparent about your progress, transparent about what you want from this letter. And also, of course, one very important tip for securing good letters of recommendation is that you want to ask in advance. For my applications, I generally try to ask a month in advance. Get the more time they have, the better. And send them reminders and crucial deadlines. So 
maybe a reminder two weeks before the deadline, a reminder a few days before the deadline, just to ensure that things are things are going well. Right. So those are all of my tips that I have today for how to be a successful applicant to a summer research program, as well as some of the good summer research programs that um, I have, I'm familiar with and that I applied to. So I hope you guys found that useful and that you guys may be able to take some of that to apply for your own summer research programs. And of course, good luck with the upcoming deadlines. And I'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Lab Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whichever platform you're tuning in from. Please do not hesitate to reach out with any inquiries at richard.w.song at vanderbilt.edu. That's richard.w.song at vanderbilt.edu. So long for now, and we'll see you next time.